Hey, before we get started with the show, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about editing and getting papers done. Uh, although generally my season is LOI season, which is letter of intent in November and December, uh, I do help uh, people with their abstracts, their research papers, MUEs, quality improvement projects, drug monographs, even just college papers. Uh, because uh, to me, editing is fun. It's taking something that uh, is imperfect and making it a lot better. So if you're looking for someone to edit something, uh, I just charge seven cents a word. Uh, so it's just really just whatever it is that you're going to have. And uh, most people are, are just really uh, use me, especially for abstracts, uh, which are like 300 to 500 words uh, or uh, some kind of uh, you know, research paper where they're, they're really concerned about uh, making sure that the grammar and all of that stuff is correct, but also uh, things are right. And I don't give feedback. That is, you're not going to hear a bunch of comments from me where, you know, I'm teaching you how to write. I'm just an editor, so I just fix it. Uh, my edits are the fix. If you want to see uh, what I changed, you can just use the compare function in Word where you take the original document and the new document and you can see all the changes. Uh, but if you want my help, TonyThePharmacist at gmail.com. Uh, just put editing in the subject line uh, and then attach the document and then I'll uh, go from there and tell you what um, you know what I can do for you. Uh, usually I can get it done two three days, uh, so uh, pretty quick turnaround unless it's something a lot bigger. Uh, but uh, most people don't know that I did. I was working on a PhD in rhetoric and professional communication, and then I do have an undergrad in English. So in addition to having published all these books and, and doing all this stuff, uh, it's just something that brings me great joy. So if you need editing help, TonyThePharmacist at gmail.com. All right, well, let's get started with the show, The Hidden Costs of Pharmacy School and How to Combat Them. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a number of things that maybe you didn't think about until all of a sudden you're driving to your appy and finding a pretty painful number at the pump or... Uh, you're trying to rent for the next year and finding out that your particular area or state, for example, we, we will be talking about Florida, uh, where some of the rents are up as much as 50%. So uh, you could be going from paying 2000 a month to 3000 a month uh, in just one cycle. So let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Remember the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm back here with Sydney Day in her second uh, week of her academic appy. And what we want to do is we want to talk about the hidden costs of pharmacy school and some ways that uh, you can save money. Uh, we'll take on everything from uh, residency to loans to uh, work and employment and all those things. So, Sydney, welcome back to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Thank you for having me, Tony. I'm looking forward to discussing budgeting and talking about how you can handle that, especially in your fourth year of pharmacy school and the costs they don't always necessarily, you don't always think about and how you can prepare for that. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to have a little bit of a debate. I'll try to take the opposite side that she has. Uh, I was uh, a complete money idiot uh, going through pharmacy school and, and I was just fortunate that uh, tuition was so low. Again, uh, back when I went to pharmacy school, uh, they doubled the tuition to $4,000 a year. Uh, so it cost me $16,000 to go to pharmacy school. If I had just gone to pharmacy school a year earlier, I would have been in the bachelor's program. Uh, it would have cost me $6,000. 
total uh, to go to pharmacy school. And this is not in the 1800s. Uh, this is actually 1993 to 1997. So uh, interesting how costs have changed, but uh, some of the methods to save money have not. So what's the first item that we want to tackle? The first we can talk about the you're going into your P3, P4 year. Um, you do have summer tuition costs and that can be kind of forgotten about with your P1 summer, you don't have to pay summer tuition or your P2 summer. So being mindful of that and trying to work on the weekends if you're able to and work during school if you're able to, to help manage that. And also prepping for in May when you are getting ready to go on your APPEs, getting clothes and purchasing clothes. So you look have those professional business clothes and are ready for that, as well as the NAPLEX prep book that you should be buying in about May or June. And that can be an extra $400 to $1,200, depending on the prep book that you're using. So it's good to be mindful of those. Well, let's, let's break that down. You talked about a lot of different uh, expenses. Uh, so let's first talk about uh, the tuition. So uh, it wasn't really a big deal for me because in my fourth year, I just pushed the button that says take all the money. Uh, and then there was money left over just like the last three times. So I probably didn't even notice that I paid more. Uh, when my wife will ask me like, well, how much did you pay for that? I'm like one swipe because it always takes one swipe or one tap or one put the chip into the machine. Um, tell me a little bit about how you're actually cognizant of how much you spent. You did admit to me this morning uh, that you are kind of in denial about the actual gas money coming and going uh, to school, which for most people I'd say that's okay, but not for someone that has a degree in finance who could do the math in her head in about five seconds. So tell me a little bit about um, being mindful of what you're spending. So I try to think about how much school is going to cost me for the semester. So I um, am luckily and fortunately in, in a state pharmacy school. So it's about 30 grand per year and then an additional 15 grand this year because of the summer rotation. So I try to think how much money do I need to make in between the three or four months to pay that tuition and how much money I'm going to need to borrow and how much I think it's going to cost me to live, how much it's going to cost me for groceries, etc., and fun spending money. And so I look at it that way. Um, and I try to limit my costs as much as possible with, like Tony said, I do have a finance background and I'm coming at it from that standpoint. So I actually burnt myself out to the point where I actually ended up on Paxil for a couple of months and then found out that it, it, it just was okay. And I'm not really necessarily, um, I, I had worked 40, 50 hours a week in appies and then 20, 30 hours a week after that. So I literally, it, it was the high V of the East Coast where you would go to high V and then go to another high V and then work at that one for 20 or 30 hours a week. Uh, tell me a little bit about trying to balance uh, life with uh, trying to keep um, from making your life all about just surviving, making the money, all those things. Uh, how do you balance all of that and kind of decide how much of it you're going to pay or how much you're just going to wait until you do make a little bit more money? So I do work quite a bit quite a bit. I work anywhere during pharmacy school. I worked anywhere from 35 hours to 45 hours a week. And I 
rotated my schedule around that to work best for me. And then in the summers between my P1 year and P2 year, I did work anywhere from 80 to 95 hours a week to pay for school because I was trying to keep my costs down. But now that I'm in APPEs, I do work the weekends and I try to run in the evenings to keep my life balanced and try to get together with friends on the weekends and the evenings if I'm able to and just go from there to try to my goal is try to keep my costs as low as possible and so I don't have a lot of students are coming out with anywhere from $145,000 to $200,000 in debt after graduating and I'm trying to minimize that as much as possible. Yeah, I think the number is actually 178000 is the average that someone graduates with. So if you want to know where you are compared to the average student, uh, 178000 is a pretty good marker. A little bit lower for the state schools, a little bit higher for the privates. But something like the University of Florida, for example, if you're an out-of-state student, they cap it at 35000 uh, So you're still uh, under that mark. Um, but you, you mentioned something uh, really important, which is you actually have a job that is completely outside of pharmacy. I worked at the Inner Harbor in Baltimore at Pizzeria Uno. Uh, I waited tables. Uh, I remember that after work, if we were to go have a beverage or hang out with our friends, you're not allowed to be at your own restaurant. So all of the people from Lone Star Restaurant would come to Uno's and all the Uno's people would go up to Lone Star because our shifts were the same. It was just kind of a funny, we didn't high five or fist bump or anything like that, but it literally was, was going right past each other. And I thought it was so important to have something that's completely outside of pharmacy where I just completely get away from it. Uh, nothing, nothing by fives or anything like that. Um, tell us a little bit about how you got into a gig where uh, you were able to kind of keep that job outside of pharmacy uh, and maintain that, that corner of your life uh, away from the pharmacy world. So I started lifeguarding when I was 16 and have continued to keep that. It's a great summer job, and I have now became the pool manager, so I handle that. I've also worked at Starbucks now for about six and a half years, and I've enjoyed the connections and the people I get to meet while I'm making coffee. So that's been a positive experience, and I do work a little bit at Hy-Vee Pharmacy, but I do try to get away, like Tony said, from pharmacies, so I do, don't get burnt out on the weekends. Um, so I only work there a few hours a week right now to keep that balanced. Awesome. And you don't have to contain it to pharmacy school. So if you're a resident or you're just graduating or maybe you're a pharmacist listening, what I also did when I graduated was I, I would have my, my job in community pharmacy. And I've never worked in a hospital. I've always been in community. Uh, but that's how I got into real estate. And I ended up actually replacing my pharmacy job with real estate because I was making so much money in real estate that the pharmacy job actually got in the way. Uh, and then I also took jobs that didn't necessarily pay as much, but they were moving me towards something. So I knew eventually maybe I wanted to teach. Was it in you know, high school or college or something like that? And I started working for Kaplan. Uh, I was going to teach the PCAT, but my math was so good that they're like, well, you, you scored in the top 97th percentile in the GMAT. Um, we really need GMAT teachers. Would you, you know, be willing to do that? And so I, I did that instead. So Again, so important to get outside of that um, and to get that kind of balance in your life. So, okay, so we've, we've got our loans. We're, we're trying to, to minimize the amount we spend. We've got our jobs that allow us to work those extra hours, kind of trying to sometimes stay out of pharmacy. Uh, tell me about what maybe the next uh, step is in, in 
I think you like to do it in more of a calendar form where you kind of think about the year and, and you were talking about summer. Uh, are we now talking about maybe fall and those kinds of expenses? Yeah, so looking at now we're looking at more the October, November time frame and thinking about if you're interested in applying for residency, applying ASHIP, the mid-year is important if you want to meet other programs across the state and anywhere from Attending a ship can be anywhere from $200 to $575 if you're a non-resident, non-member of a ship. But it doesn't also have to think about that cost just includes your attendance. It doesn't include your flight or include your stay. But it is helpful to build that connection with that residency program director that you may not have when you're applying to residency. So that's something to be aware of. Yeah, so I, I'm going to take the side of there's no reason to go to ASHP anymore. Uh, I think that the, the and again, I'm just playing devil's advocate, uh, there's probably some middle ground to this. But right now, uh, the, the sites themselves, because of the pandemic, have, have very robust uh, interactions. And it's the residency showcase rather than the pharmacy resident applicant showcase. And so they're trying to showcase themselves, get as many applications as possible, get some information out there. But Brandon Dyson of TLDR Pharmacy, uh, he went completely geographic, which just means you just pick a little area that you really want to apply to. And because he knew he was going to be in the D.C. area, you know, flying to wherever ASHP was was uh, kind of irrelevant for him. And he ended up matching at Georgetown MedStar. So, you know, I, though it's not an Ivy, it is when you're one, kind of one of those... Uh, uh, you know, Ivy-ish uh, schools downtown and, uh, you know, a great hospital system. And now he's a, a cancer um, pharmacolog- pharmacist uh, and with his BCOP and, and board certified. So if money is an issue and you're like, oh my gosh, if I don't get to ASHP, I would personally think, and this will kind of lend us into the application numbers that you were talking about, if you have your choice of going to ASHP and applying to fewer places or not going to ASHP and applying to more places, I would pick B. I would apply to more places. So tell me a little bit about how much it costs to apply to residencies and especially how much it costs to apply to extra programs. So it is $110 to apply for four programs, and then it is an additional $43 per program to apply to. And that... You also have to pay $160 for the national matching fee, so that's something to be aware of. But I agree with Tony, and like he said, I would apply, even though it is an extra $43 per school that you're applying to, if you're really interested and really wanting to do a residency to maximize your options and opportunities, I do recommend applying to as many programs as you feel comfortable applying to, to give yourself the best option and best chance for receiving that residency that you want. Let's talk a little bit about, and I don't know what the word for it is, maybe you do as a finance major, but when you go into a a project, and let's say we're calling this a four-year project where you're going to go to pharmacy school, and you're saying it's about $15,000 for living expenses these days in addition to the $30,000, so you're saying about $45,000 a year. Let's just bump it to $5,000 so we have easy math uh, because we're adding that summer. But let's say you have a $200,000 project, which is going to last four years. And for that project to be successful, 
you're going to get the residency that you want. And if you don't get the residency that you want, you get the second choice, third choice, fourth choice. Or if you're unfortunately in that group that doesn't get one at all, then that project for you has failed, uh, at least in that calendar year. When you are talking about $43 for a site and you're talking about $200,000 for the project, what I think keeps happening is there's the money that is kind of the sunk cost of, okay, I'm in my fourth year, I'm going to pay my tuition. It would be silly not to pay my tuition here in the fourth year and finish. But then we're talking about what's left. And so now we have this kind of artificial scarcity because we didn't plan it from the beginning. Tell me a little bit about that feeling of loss and scarcity and what makes people apply to only four places. And I've seen this happen over and over again where someone does not get a residency because they only applied to four. The average right now is around 11.3. That's how many most people apply to. But tell me about those principles of scarcity and fear that maybe people have when they just don't have the money to pay for those extra sites, even though it would be in their best interest for the future. I guess they think, like you said, that it's an extra $43 per program and they're not wanting or necessarily have the money to put that money forward. And they're thinking at the time, that's a lot of money to apply to an extra program and not thinking, thinking more short, short term rather than long term and what the benefits or the downfalls would be of that for them. And it could turn out to be if they don't get any interviews or receive a residency that later on in the long term could be disappointment and frustration with the residency program rather than applying to multiple schools and giving yourself multiple options and multiple chances. Yeah, so you you hit exactly what I was hoping you would kind of mention, uh, which is the way that if you if you hear those kind of finance gurus and so forth, they're always going to talk about people that are very successful are going to think much longer term. Those that are poorer uh, are going to think much shorter term. And we want to make sure we talk about the difference between poor and broke. Broke is just, I don't have money now, but I may have money and I, I can have it later. Poor is a continued mindset of just kind of being in a continued state where you, you don't have money and you don't feel like uh, you're worth the money or, or able to earn it. So when I've heard that Warren Buffett looks at an investment and he's always looking 10 years. He's not saying, well, I hope this makes money tomorrow. I hope the stock market goes up tomorrow. He's saying in 10 years, what will this look like? So when you, you know, buy whatever share of the S&P and you're like, well, in 10 years, of course, it's probably going to be up historically over 20 years. It's never been down. Uh, but in 10, maybe a little bit down, something like that. Okay, well, I don't want to get into stocks and investing and things like that, but I think it is really you want to take a good look at your uh, college's residency match rate. Uh, Iowa's is a bit above the, the national average. I think we were at 82, 83% last year. Uh, the national average is 77%. So one kind of rule of thumb is if you look at the match rate and yours is at 77 or below, you should expect to do 11 or 12 applications or more. As you move up, you know, uh, and your match rate is much higher, then maybe you can say, well, I probably really am not going to put 100% into that uh, program and so forth. 95% of people applying to a residency will match with their first five choices, but that choice only comes from having gotten an interview. 
So don't make the mistake of, oh, I just apply to five places because those are my top five choices. Your top five choices are the ones from your interviews. So again, I've, I've put out in a previous episode about, you know, kind of figuring out what your match odds are and things like that. Uh, but having five choices would be ideal when you kind of come to that. Okay, so we're, we're in November, December. If you're, you know, hurting for money, just, you know, a couple more applications rather than getting to ASHP. Make sure you, you know, Zoom with them. Great. You've done a great job, and now you're going to go into interviews? Yes. So in about January, February time, you will start receiving interviews. And they have been, during the pandemic, pretty flexible about doing Zoom interviews, but they are trying to get back to more in-person interviews. And you do and are responsible for your flight to those interviews, (laughs) as well as the food there and the hotel stay costs. So that's something to be mindful of when you're going to your interviews and budgeting for that. Yeah, and and that, I think, is the real thing. Uh, We... Uh, we're, we're hoping to, to give to my parents' house to Arizona. And again, we're both pharmacists with pharmacist budget. And we have three children. And we're like, you know, it's just, it's just not looking like it's going to be uh, something that we're going to be able to do. Maybe we'll look at another time. But flights right now, we're somewhere around 400 each way per person. So we're talking about almost $3,000 so dollars, uh, $4,000 to, to just get to Arizona. Uh, for you know our group so when you're looking I think what's going to happen is people are going to be going geographically and regionally a lot closer to their school so maybe a midwesterner staying in the midwest or something like that okay so uh, we'll see what happens I, I really don't know if if a lot of programs are going to say just zoom or you know uh, we're, we're going to ask you to fly out so what's what's kind of the next step here so then if you want to think you're going into applying and becoming a pharmacist and getting your boards. Two costs that are also forgotten about are the NAPLEX, which is your boards exam, costs about $575. And you also have the MPJE, which is the law exam, and that costs an additional $200. So it is important to budget for the whole year an extra $2,500 to $5,000, more than you're expecting with the tuition costs and your living costs, just so that you're aware of the costs for your boards. So let's talk about opportunity costs and a missed cost. What happens a lot of times is the NAPLEX becomes the thing, you know, your school's like, okay, we've got this uh, extra hours and extra video, and we're going to help you pass the NAPLEX and get this great score or whatever. And then everybody forgets about the MPJE. And especially if you're going to residency where you're going to be out of state, somebody else's laws, um, it can become a real, real challenge uh, to pass that. And the penalty for not passing the MPJE is a 31-day wait until you can take it again. So let's do the quick math on that. If you're not in residency, $50 an hour, right? For 40 hours, that's going to be $2,000. So let's just do four weeks to, to not, well, probably about five because you got to get your results. So we're talking about a $10,000 penalty just for missing either the NAPLEX or MPJE. I think NAPLEX is to 45 days now. 45 days. Yeah, so, so we're looking at $10,000 penalty if you don't pass the MPJE. TLDR Pharmacy has something for every single state. Uh, absolutely recommend them. 
Uh, I make no money from it. And then NAPLEX, uh, 45 days, you'd be looking at a $15,000 penalty. And in a tighter market, you would probably lose your residency or job. Uh, it is not unheard of for someone to not pass the NAPLEX and the RPD to just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, well, uh, you know, the rules, uh, you have to be licensed in the first 90 days. Um, that's not going to happen because the 45 days gets us to uh, whatever day it is, uh, and it's going to be a little bit after. And I'm sorry, but that, that's not going to work out. Maybe try again next year. Um, but I think that, that that penalty is huge. So tell me a little bit about getting those resources maybe a little bit earlier than later. Yes, I would recommend starting to study anywhere from May to June and starting as early as possible, a little bit a day to help you be successful and using the cycle that you have off to study as well. It is nice to get a break from pharmacy, but it is a great time to use to study so you can be successful and not have to waste that additional $1,000 just for the exams and then that lost costs with becoming and being a pharmacist. So I would invest in yourself and invest the time and money rather than later. Yeah, so I think we've kind of covered uh, the big ones, but let's just kind of review. So the, the first thing is <laughs> go to a school that is somewhat reasonable with tuition and reasonable with tuition these days. If you can get under 100 if you can get up to 100 to $120,000 in total tuition, you're actually doing pretty well. Uh, you can go up as high as 300000 so $75,000 a year for four years, I think, is the top. Um, but there's something that's really hit this country pretty hard, and rents have absolutely skyrocketed. I think Miami is one of the hottest in the country, uh, where they're up 50%. So you can imagine that Oh yeah, you know, well the four of us were just paying two thousand, you know, a year, and now the four of you are paying three thousand a year, uh, all of a sudden. So uh, being very mindful of that. Next, we kind of went into you know summer, making sure that you're looking ahead and saying, oh wait a minute, wait, what was that summer extra cost and appy? Do I make sure that I have uh, you know the loans that are going to cover that? Kind of going into fall, start thinking about the applications, making sure that you've budgeted for those 12 applications. Uh, if you're in the middle, a little bit more if you're below, uh, maybe a little bit less if you're higher. Uh, and then as we're going into spring, right, uh, we went into uh, kind of talking about the interviews and getting to those sites that they're now going to ask you to fly out there. Uh, so, you know, maybe a long drive is better. Maybe if you're in Iowa. So what states like Minnesota's three hours? Kansas City's three hours, Omaha's two, Wisconsin, like four, four or five hours. Yeah, and so starting to think about those kinds of things. Uh, and then when we're getting into the, the end of it, um, so maybe talking to your school or maybe, I think, isn't there a group RX prep thing where if you get like 10 people together, they can hook you up or something like that? Yeah, it brings down the cost to, I think, like, $500 if you do a group. So that'd be something to think about. Yeah. And again, we, at this site, if you need housing, we provide you housing. If you um, need an Aplex book, we'll give you an Aplex book. Um, also give you case studies, pharmacotherapy, those types of things. So um, don't feel like you're bothering the site. We, we have departmental budgets and corporate budgets and those types of things. So when you're, you're asking us for money and you're saying, can I get $100 or $200? You're thinking that's a lot of money. When we're talking to you, we're like, well, $5,000 is a lot of money. $100 is not a lot of money. 
even $500 is not a lot of money to us. And then when you're talking about your preceptors, um, maybe start thinking about, hey, is there a day that I literally am coming in to sit at a desk and could just be at home doing it, reporting once or twice that day to make sure you do it? Now, you want to make sure that's okay with your school or whatever, but I've done remote appies and, you know, as gas prices in Iowa are relatively lower because of ethanol that we're only paying about, it's 444 today, and I think I saw 417 yesterday at one place. Um, but some of you guys are paying six and seven dollars a gallon uh, for gas, and and you know you're just afraid to ask that question. Where we as preceptors have no idea um, how you're suffering, and you're sitting there like going, "Oh my gosh, this is really really bad." Or denial is a river in Egypt, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you, you kind of go that route, and and I I feel. I, w- I was truly, really bad with money. I, I mean, we would go up to, every, this was not a lot. We would go up to New Jersey and the person, this was our finance plan. We would go up to New Jersey and the person who had won money or had money left over was the one that had to buy gas for the way back because you can't pump your own gas in Jersey. So that, that was, you know, we're going gambling, you know, making the, the best of our, our uh, pharmacy school lives. And uh, we managed to go to spring break even uh, down in Panama City Beach. So you know, <laughs> what's one more drink on the Titanic was kind of my thinking back then. Uh, and, and my thinking is different now. My thinking is very different now. I, I remember just getting frustrated with my loans, uh, getting that extra job as a real estate agent, uh, paying the last $40,000 off. Then my wife's like, hey, you know, I have 25000 in loans, paying hers off as well. So, um, you know, anyway, I digress. All right, well, thank you for those tips. And kind of, I think it's just more kind of being aware and thinking about it and and it seems like this is something I never thought of you actually make a calendar right yeah I make a plan and have an idea so it it doesn't come to surprise to me and I'm trying to look forward rather than in the moment so I'm aware of it yeah and and I think that you know being mindful of the short-term versus long-term consequences and so you've made the transition from the quarter system in finance classes to the semester system <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Residency Podcast. Uh, we'll have another great uh, episode next week. Uh, and I just wanted to let you know if you have any questions for me, Tony the Pharmacist at gmail.com. And you can uh, access any of our courses, including the free audio course uh, for residency at residency.teachable.com. Thanks again, Sydney, for being on. Thanks for having me. So again, I've mentioned a number of times on the show that my first language wasn't English and I kind of went overboard, uh, although my, you know, I, I did start to learn English at uh, seven or eight years old. I did kind of go overboard and get an English degree and then go on to get a master's with 18 credits of English or more, though uh, I was actually on the PhD track. So if you do need my editing help, maybe English isn't your first language, you're a little nervous about submitting a document or something like that, uh, give me a buzz at tonythepharmacist at gmail.com and kind of talk about it if you're not sure if it's something that uh, would be helpful. But again, uh, I just want to make clear I'm not your um, professor where I'm going to be like, well, you should probably do this, you could do that, uh, things like that. I just fix it. Uh, I don't um, make the recommendations like that. Uh, It just takes way, way, way too much time. I think those are great for writing centers on campus and things like that. 
But in residency, unfortunately, those writing centers kind of go away. Or uh, if you're on a campus that is only has a pharmacy school or only has uh, maybe a graduate program, uh, they may not have that writing center uh, available to you. So uh, TonyThePharmacist at gmail.com if you need my help.